Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Michael Gallagher. I'm the sports reporter for the Nashville Post and the Nashville Scene. You can follow me on Twitter at MGSports underscore. Michael, you and I have scored as many goals together combined as the Nashville Predators have uh, since coming back from the All-Star break. Um, we've got a lot to discuss today on the show. And normally, we sit down and we plan it out. We have what we call a rundown in the business <laughs> where we organize the topics we want to talk about. There's things that go later in the show. There's things that go in the middle of the show. There's things that go at the beginning of the show. And I don't really know. Like, we sat down to plan this, and it's sort of just a big, giant ball of garbage. And we're going to try to get get through it all together today on the show. I am glad we waited until Friday. We were going to do the show on Wednesday. We thought, no, let's see how they play against Boston <laughs> on Thursday night. Good call. At, at home to record on Friday morning. So here we are following a 5 nothing loss. Um, all the momentum from before the all-star break and the three games and the meeting, it's all gone. Um, they are one in three. Warning, it was going to happen. I know they're one in three since then losing to not only good teams getting destroyed by good teams, but losing to Arizona as well. They've scored four goals. They've lost their best player to an injury. The GM, the coach, the players have no answers to any questions anywhere. Post game radio doesn't matter. Um, and fans are protesting by throwing animals on the ice during play. So we're going to try to work through all of this today on the show. We should clarify it's a catfish, not like a dog or That's a shark. <laughs> a dog would be pansy. Just like a Pomeranian. <laughs> just like it just some girl pulls a Pomeranian out of her purse in the third row and like throws it onto the ice. It just I can just see it spinning down. Um, all right. Before we do, before we try to have this very circuitous and like just giant amalgamation of topics into one long conversation about essentially how bad the national predators are right now. Um, before we do, let's tell everybody because we got, a, we got an email from a listener, Brad, shout out to Brad. We're going to cover some of his topics in the show today. Cause he had some good questions. Uh, but before we do the gold standard is brought to you by a place that Michael refuses to visit. And Brad, listener Brad, wants you never to go to this place, which is where? Jaspers. Why? Why, Brad? I, I would say I don't refuse to visit. I've been there once. <laughs> I, I will say my wife and I moved to Hendersonville a couple months ago, so Jaspers is a little bit more out of the way for us than it was when we were living in East Nashville. So It's true. But, you know, I mean, hey, look, the Preds have a game tomorrow, 1 p.m. game, maybe after. I'll stop into Jasper's and get a $3 beer and, and a really cheap burger. I, I don't know. I'll be closer to where Jasper's is physically. But Brad seems to enjoy the fact that you are Mr. <laughs> Jasper's, and I've been once, and I don't really have a lot to add to these proceedings. When no, we talk you about don't. It. You don't. I, I've been trying to get you to bring something to the table. Like, uh, again, no pun intended, bring something to the table. And and I guess the fact that <laughs> I'm trying to get you to talk about a place you've, you've been to one time is now appealing to people. Uh, so go to Jasper's because, again, they do actually have great food, free parking. Um, they are, you know, paying for this advertisement on the show. <laughs> or is it strategic on my part? Because Brad did say that That's normally true. he fast That's forwards true. through ads, but he listens to the Jasper's ads for the comedic relief. So. <sighs> $10 smash burgers, $3 beers to drown your sorrows during Preds games, home and road, free parking, which is a complete anomaly in Nashville, especially downtown. Uh, there is no reason to go to the games, and you, the Predators fans, 
now agree with that because <laughs> you're not going. You're not watching and you're not going, and I don't blame you. So if you want to have a burger and a cheap beer, go to Jasper's. It is a great burger. Uh, again, the beers are – they've got a lot of locally sourced beers there as well, which is awesome. Um, locally owned companies, so support local business. The game room will watch your children for you. It's phenomenal. Um, that's not like an official tagline from Jasper's, but like I've talked to multiple people that have done this, and I am one of them. You go sit down, your kids go into the game room, they play games while you and your spouse sit and enjoy a meal and watch this godforsaken hockey team. Uh, okay, go to Jasper's, everybody. Michael, go to Jasper's, please. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> um, five like, one, what, month seven, I've been one time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what, an, what an endorsement. Uh, five, one, five one loss to Vegas. Two one win to Philadelphia where they lose their best player. Philip Forsberg, uh, four two, lost to Arizona, uh, arguably the worst roster in the NHL. Five to nothing loss to Boston. Uh, that is fifteen goals against, four goals for in a one and three stretch. Without now and now, Philip Forsberg is out um, since the All Star break, since the meeting, and uh, all the momentum is gone. And I'm going to start with the catfish. I, I think the catfish is the place to start here. Uh, I don't know about you, <laughs> but but I think we got to start. Yeah. With we got to start with this catfish. That was so a it, cathartic toss of, yeah. a, of a catfish. If it was I've ever a, it, seen one. It was it was it was protest. It was as if someone was wearing a mink coat and you were pouring red paint all over it in public. You know, like the people like who are crazy PETA people. Don't get me wrong, I love animals, but like they 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 throw the the red bucket of paint on the mink coat to protest the fact that you killed a bunch of small minks. I guess to make that coat. This was a protest catfish throw, and normally. In any situation, I would completely disapprove of during the action, during the game, throwing things onto the ice is inappropriate. On almost every situation, I would say, come on, guys, we're better than that. Let's not do something that stupid. But this was different. This was different. I get where this guy's coming from because this is a this is an active protest of the garbage that the fans are watching on the ice. And that's not an overreaction because if not for UC Soros, this team is probably four or five games, less fewer wins. The number of wins above replacement that he's provided for this team without UC Soros, this team is not just out of the playoffs, but a bad hockey team. The metrics say this is a bad hockey team. And without now they're, Soros, not they're in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Yes. And, and not only are they getting blown out, by good teams, they're losing to bad teams, and I don't blame the guy for throwing the catfish on the uh, It's the first time ever I will say, you know what? I, I get it. I get it. I wouldn't do it, but I get it. Yeah, it, this isn't a, a mustard bottle at Neelam Stadium kind of situation, but it it almost <laughs> it felt like the ice was John Hines and David Poyle, and the catfish hitting the ice was a collective slap from all of the Predators fans <laughs> that are so fed up with their, with their wh whatever you want to call it, their... I don't want to say that they don't care. They obviously do care. Like John Hines does not go out there with the intent on losing hockey games. David Boyle doesn't go out there with the intent on not winning Stanley Cups. But I think it's the fact that the problems persist. And like you said, no one has an answer for them. They all know the problems are there. They don't have an answer for them. I think that's what the fan base is fed up with is that no one has an answer. And they and I think there's this hopelessness that's settled over the fan base if they don't think that change is going to happen because they think that ownership doesn't care. 
ownership is going to let David Poyle just keep doing whatever he wants. David Poyle basically has no one to answer to. John Hines doesn't seem to be held accountable for his actions like Peter Lovillette was. And I think that's what I think that's what it is. The fan base is kind of grieving the fact that they're stuck with whatever this is probably for another couple of years, which I don't think is true, but I think that's where they are now. So I agree with you. Don't ever be that guy. Don't throw things on the ice. I mean, it's it's a good thing that like the catfish didn't hit anybody, but like, pretty, I, I, pretty well, pretty well placed throw considering they were in the zone. Yeah. And, but they was like on fully on the four check. And so then the I, the catfish lands when nobody was and they all skated right right by it. <laughs> yeah. Like like I get it. Don't do that because yeah, again, yeah. you could potentially hurt somebody. But I, I understand the frustration that was behind doing that. So I, I mean everyone's it was, talking it about a, it. It, it was, was a viral a, moment. So I hope David Boyle was, sees that. And and again, and I tweeted this out after the game last night. We we referenced this a week or two ago about how in his end of season press conference last year, David Poyle was asked i think it was stillman who asked him if he was worried about the fan base turning on him and he was like i hope not and then he listed all the things that he said that they had fixed which are reasons for the fan base to kind of cut them some slack and he talked about the coaching staff and their performance and the the high-paid players being playing like the high-paid players and stuff all the things he said they, they fixed last year are the issues this year so i feel like we're right back where we were last or two years ago when there was just this hopelessness surrounding this team then they went out and they, you know, everything that needed to happen, the stars aligned for them. They had two forty goal scores, all that stuff. Right, right. I, I think it's just now we're back in twenty twenty again. I mean, I don't. So it's it's a symbolic thing as well. Like not only is it a protest, but it is the it is the symbol of like one of the best traditions of the organization, right? Like it is the thing. Like again, people outside of Nashville can laugh at us for being, you know, a bunch of rednecks who throw fish on the ice, whatever. Like. I, who cares? It's a fun tradition that is a part of coming to Smashville, especially when the team is good and in the playoffs. You throw your catfish, you try to sneak it in, and you have the whole deal. You tape it to your leg, whatever. Like it, it's the whole thing. It's it is a special Nashville thing. The way Cell Block three hundred three is, which of course against was. Boston was filled with Bruins fans. So when yeah. you have when 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 you have two of your like iconic traditions, like that's what that's. To me, that's what it all was about. Now, again, don't be that guy. Don't throw things on the ice. It's wrong. But, 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 I under, I understand why it happened. I understand what that person was feeling. And in the in an empty building full of Bruins fans in a 5 nothing loss, it is hard to, like, like not empathize with what that per that fan was going through because that act, yeah. rep, that act represents everything that the fans are feeling. And it's not just like, that they're angry at, at at the organization for sort of feeling like it's got all the answers and, and that it's got the right plan and the right trajectory and all of that's been wrong. It's that they're they're starting not to care. And that's even worse. Apathy is even worse when you do not show up to games and you are not paying attention. To, they don't draw ratings on TV. Uh, it's just when when you get to this point, you are fans are going to start tuning out your product, and that is a dangerous place to be. It, 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 and this is again what Amy Adams Strunk and the Titans realized er, in the middle of the season: like we got to fire John Robinson because we've got to re-energize, we got to kickstart this thing, we got to get people back interested in what we're doing. And look at what the Titans fans are, do, are are into this off season. That they're they're into a new coordinator, a new offense. They maybe they're going to change quarterbacks. They they got a new GM. There's there's newness there that provides hope and energy. 
and the Preds are as stale as this organization has been in 10 years. It is it, This is pre-Stanley Cup staleness and apathy, and that is a dangerous place to be. Yeah, and I've I've long felt that this like change isn't going to happen until the team sees sees the difference in the checkbook. Like until they start losing money, until t- season tickets significantly drop off, until they're I mean, we're talking about a team that used to have the best home ice advantage in the NHL. You're talking about a team that had a hundred and whatever games sellout streak going on. You had a, you're talking about a team that built everything from the ground up. And finally got to a point where they were taken seriously. Like there was how many visiting players would say, yeah, like we hate playing in Bridgestone Arena because it's so loud and it really affects us. And they talk about how great the fan experience and the fan environment is. All of that's gone. Like you walk into Bridgestone Arena now and you could probably take a nap in the middle of a game because there's just no excitement. There's no energy. You don't really feel the crowd into it. There's empty seats. It's easier. It's a lot easier now for opposing fans to fill that, that arena up. And we saw it last night where there was almost as many Bruins fans as there were Predators fans last night. It, it It's just amazing how far this franchise has really kind of fallen off. And, I, and I've always thought change isn't going to be made until they start seeing the tangible difference in the checkbook. And I think we might be getting to that point. I know, I, I mean, I don't know every season ticket holder, but I know a lot of them that have told me they're not renewing their season tickets next year. Some of them started that process last year. I mean, you can you can easily get cheap tickets for games now, like right, but like the day of the game because yep. so many fans are not going and stuff. And you're you're right back to where you were in like 2010 when the team was bad and still kind of trying to get out of being an expansion team. So where yeah. where this team is going is it'll be interesting to watch because I know I know Predators fans, the the rational group that they are, tend to to overreact to things and say ownership doesn't care, Poyle can do whatever he wants, all this stuff like. David Poyle wants to win a cup. Trust me, no one wants to win a Stanley Cup more than David Poyle. I don't think that he's intentionally just not a good GM. I think he's he's getting to the end of his career and some of the moves that he was was making where he was they were considered bold moves 10 years ago, now they're just not working out. I think where where they're going now, they're it, it almost just seems like they're destined for a change at either head coach or GM or maybe both. I think Poyle can still stay as long as he wants because ownership loves him. Mm. But I was told by a source that Basically, if the Predators don't make the playoffs, it's more likely than not that John Hines will not be back next year. And I, I think that's I think that's the first step to try. I'm not saying they're going to win the fan base back, but I think that's the first step to try to maybe make amends with some of the fans that they're losing right now. And I think and honestly, I think that's that's the right way to go. It's not going to happen in season because traditionally David Poyle does not like making big moves like that in season. And I know Peter Laviolette happened in season, but when that move was made. The Predators, David Poyle still believed that the Predators could make the playoffs, and he still believed he, believed he had a playoff team. This team is not a playoff team right now. If you fire John Hines in midseason now, it doesn't really help you. It doesn't make anything better, because what are you going to do? You're probably well, going to promote someone from the coaching staff. So so we we have seen this in hockey, though, and we're watching it in, in the division with Dallas and Winnipeg. Now, that was offseason changes, but, I mean, St. Louis won a cup, you know, same same kind of deal. I, I don't think that's not what I'm trying to say is that this team. Yeah, but St. Louis, St. Louis did this a month and a half before where the Predators no, that's are. True. They, that's they true. had more time on their side. If you if you fire your head coach with like 35 games left in the regular season, I don't think you're that that shows me you're not a playoff team. If you were a playoff team, you wouldn't be worried about firing your head coach because your head coach would be getting the job done. No, no, I, I agree. And trust me, there's in no way, shape, or form am I suggesting, oh, you fire John Hines, this team is good enough to go win a cup. That That is not what I'm suggesting. If you were going to fire John Hines, it would have been around the New Year. It's, it's around the same time most coaches on, on teams that are borderline playoff teams get fired. It was around the same time that Peter Levy got fired. 
Well, so I guess my question is more just like the, the pros and cons of doing it in the season, because I don't I, I honestly I, I could expect a press release. I've heard some similar things behind the scenes as well like, as you. I, I, if they don't make the playoffs, I don't see any reason why either of them should be back next year. I agree with everything you've said. The ownership is is too sort of like hand in hand with David Poyle. And, and again, it doesn't it doesn't change his legacy. Like, I, I don't think that the the. Like we can have adult conversations about David Poyle and say, look, man, it's time to move over, slide over to a different role, a different chair. It's time for new blood, new eyes to take over. It, it doesn't have to be like, and the legacy is still like one of the greatest GMs in NHL history. I mean, it's like, it's yeah. still, it's still okay to say two things can be true. It's time. Like, uh, but, it, but here's the, the, the other thing is it, I do think it energizes the fan base a little bit because you at least show the people that that are your consumers your cons- this is an entertainment sports is entertainment and your consumers the people you are selling your product to are the fans and the fans right now are speaking loud and clear that they don't care about your product anymore and if you get to that point what you can do is make changes to show them that you do care more than than they clearly like are they're not getting what they want right now like that's it's not even just the wins and losses it's not just that they're a middle team or again i, I would argue they're a bad team without uc soros they're not even in this situation they negative 14 goal differential they are hanging him out to dry all the time they're getting blown out by good teams they're losing to bad teams they're not scoring goals this is n- the power play sucks like let, come on like let's be honest about this so it i, I think you can show your fan base that you are trying like so <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this about my 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 wife but I love her to death and she doesn't listen to the gold standard podcast go to jaspers by the way um i my wife will say will will be having an issue with something right and she's she'll 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 talk about it and talk about it and talk about it i'm like well did you try some shit you know i'm always like try some shit <laughs> like oh you have a headache take some medicine drink some water lie down like try some shit <laughs> like have you done anything to try to fix it and I think that's where fans are at right now. It's like, look, you guys, you have no answers to questions in interviews on radio. You have no answers to questions in post-game press conferences. Players don't have answers. The coach doesn't have answers. The GM has no answers. They, they're repeating themselves over and over and over again. And it's not changing anything. You're, you're not trying anything. You're, you you got to try some shit. Trade, trade Matias Ekholm, fire the coach, whatever. I don't, again, John Hines is a perfectly lovely person. It's not personal, but... You know, it hasn't worked. His playoff record, the yeah. team's not the team's not getting better. It it is what it is. I expect a press release. I could, there there could be a press release at any moment saying that John Hines has been removed from duty, and I would not I would not be surprised. I think I've said that like four episodes ago. <laughs> Check my email as you say that. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I agree. If they miss the playoffs, there's no excuse. He probably needs to go at the end of the year. But again, I David Poyle probably is a part of this conversation as well. And so I, I again I think here's the here's the other thing. And this is this is why this this is why this show has no structure today because <laughs> it's all just flow flow uh you know stream of consciousness. When Bill Haslam takes over as the owner, as the singular own, owner, it is it probably will be a clean house from top to bottom. Don't you think? Like not just Poyle and Hines, not just Poyle and Hines. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not buying that. Okay. I don't think Bill Haslam's going to take over, come in, clean house, new GM, new head coach, new all this. Like, I don't think that's why. I'm not talking about on ice people. 
Okay. What are you talking about then? I'm, I'm talking about other folks that, that are running the team. <laughs> I, I still, I'm, I'm not, I don't buy Bill Haslam coming in and, and making sweeping changes. I, okay. I don't think he was, Just ask I don't him. think he was added to the ownership group to be the bad guy to come in and do all that stuff. I think he was added to the ownership group because fans are so restless right now. And they're starting to take the frustrations out of ownership because Herb Fritch does not want to be in front of a camera answering questions. Bill Haslam is comfortable doing that. I think that's why he's being added to this ownership group. I don't think it's to come in and make any sweeping. They they might. I just don't see okay, him coming okay. in and, and doing all this stuff. Okay. I think he I think he's solely going to be a mouthpiece for the ownership group, so that way fans can stop complaining that ownership is is quiet while while the house is burning. But what but what it when but when he has all control though, don't you think things are a little different? I mean, I just think they might this, be. This is this is no different than any sport when a new person is in charge in general, whether that's ownership or general manager or in college athletics, where when you have a new athletic director, like you want your people in the places that that you, in yeah. your organization, you, you want to I mean, hire clearly, your, your people. Clearly, things aren't working the way the, the way they're doing things now. So, like, I, I, I do think Bill Haslam will make some changes, but I don't I don't think it's going to be he's going to come in and. And and have a checklist, and he's going to do all these things and make all these hires and, and replace people that that everyone's fed up with right now. I just I I, I don't okay. see that happening. I mean, again, when people stop renewing season tickets and stop going to games, and this is the case in every sport, even if it, again I see it in college football all the time, especially because the the stadiums are so big and you can just see like forty thousand empty seats at Florida or whatever. It, that that is the last straw, man. Like that generally is the last thing. When when yeah. you get when you get to the point where there are empty seats, which affects your company's bottom dollar, that is the end of it. There is nothing else past that. The fans have spoken. When Cell Block 303 is full of another team's fans, that's the end, folks. <laughs> like you you there's nothing more that the fans can do than than speak with their pocketbooks and it feels like a pretty loud and clear mess. Now, I guess that's not true. You could throw something onto the ice during play. <laughs> I guess yeah. What, what I both, hope both doesn't of which happen. Happened, both of which happened on Thursday night. So. What I hope doesn't happen is that becomes a, like a normal thing that fans just start like, we're going to throw shit on the ice until the, until yeah, the head coach is fired that. and stuff. Like don't, don't let that happen. But I mean, I, I feel that I feel their pain. I, I understand. Trust me. I am a 49ers fan. I suffered through the Ken Dorsey, Tim Rattay years for and Jim like, Drunken was, Miller. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was very frustrating to sit there and watch a team just continually lose games. It, like, I get it. We're we're all fans of, of different teams and we all not every team is going out there and, and winning Super Bowls and Stanley Cups every year. Like teams have down years. But I think what saves what saves a lot of the fans and what eventually like you go through a rebuild and, and teams start getting draft picks and trading for good players and then you shed salary cap and you use that salary cap to go out and get better players like that's traditionally what happens when teams are in this situation and i think the fans don't don't see a rebuild happening because they because david poyle honestly has too much pride and he even said as much it was on, on 1025 over the summer i believe he said he prided him he's prided himself on building the predators from day one and never having to go through 24 years later, never having to go through a rebuild. They've consistently they've worked their way up. And once they've gotten to the playoffs, they've been a perennial playoff team. I, I understand that. And he was bragging on himself and he was bragging on the organization, but I think we're to the point now where that's not really a brag because this team needs to go through a rebuild. You have the problem with this roster. You have so many players signed to long-term contract extensions, Duchesne, Johansson, Granlin, Yossi, Forsberg, like, 
most of the roster, like you, you don't really have anyone that's on a one or two year deal that you can trade at the trade deadline. Now you have, I think, Yakov Trenin and Nino Niederreiter and maybe like one or two other people. You don't, everybody's locked into long-term contracts. And that's the issue. This roster is bad and you're tied to most of what's bad with this yeah. roster for the, at least the next three or four years. Well, and I think that again, that, that speaks to where I think fans are with David Poyle and um, you know, look, I j- it feels like things have come to a head in part. I will throw like this is not anyone's fault. It's not the player's fault, the GM's fault, the coach's fault. It's nobody's fault that Philip Forsberg is out. That Philip for your best player, your best offensive weapon on a bad offensive team gets hurt in kind of a fluky hit where again, they don't show the replay more than one time from the other angle for a very specific reason. It's because his head bounced off the ice three times and it's pretty obvious that the dude was could not you know, skate under his own power. And it went, when, when both announcers on the team broadcast are like, man, he looks really wobbly. <laughs> like th- we know what happened now, again. They did not show the other replay more than I think one time from the other angle where you can actually see him land basically head first onto the ice. I will say this. I think the NHL does a much better job of managing concussions and head injuries than the, than the NFL. I think in, in a very big way and a very important way and kudos to the league for doing that. Although that's not something it's like, it's like being a good parent. You don't get credit for that. <laughs> like, it's just your job. Um, it, it's not anybody's fault that the best player is a, is out on offense at the same time as the one and three stretch coming out of the all-star break while the coach is on the hot seat and the, and the GM's under fire. It's not anybody's fault. But it does feel like some sort of tipping point. And I think the way the fans acted on Thursday night reflects a lot of that. And, oh, by the way, if I see one tweet... If I see if if Philip Forsberg comes back and scores one goal in February and I see one tweet about February, I'm going to lose my shit because as of right now, he's he's going to score zero goals in February this year. Okay, he's right. February is dead. We we buried that. We buried that in January. Well, no, they kept tweeting. People are still tweeting that the the team account, everybody's still. I'm like, stop it. Just stop. It's because Nashville media and fans alike they find one thing that was like funny one time right, and right, desperately right. cling to it and beat it into the ground well and that's what what do you what do you what do you think the fans did when they put a pedal tavern on the ice <laughs> like the fa- fans spoke pretty loud and clear that now to their credit they they pulled that sucker off real fast <laughs> like i actually had a sit down interview with sean henry and asked him about the pedal yeah, tavern yeah. and he he basically admitted like look we know this is going to be controversial, but let's just do it and see what happens. Like, I think that was mostly an amusing exercise on the Predators part. to do. Yeah. That. And, and well, and to their credit, they was like, OK, this isn't working. Let's stop. <laughs> I'm um, still waiting for them to take me up on my idea where instead of doing a smash car, whenever you get back to the playoffs, do a smash pedal tavern. That oh, will bring oh my God. so much money. I would I would I would actually go down there and I would do that if I could just smash some of those little those little tables, the little seats you sit on with the little pedals. I, I would go down there. And, God, like my favorite part sitting of sitting on a gold mine idea, Sean Henry. You're welcome. There you go. There you go. Um, it's funny. It's like the HGTV renovation shows. It's like my favorite part is I just want to be the demolition guy. Yeah. Like I, I just want to, I just want to take like crowbars and axes and baseball bats to like, like walls and countertops and doors and shit. I just want to break it all. Um, just maybe I need to get some energy out here, Michael. <laughs> maybe, maybe you need to throw a catfish on the ice. Maybe this is a me problem. <laughs> um, but again, I just so to me, again, like the injury, who knows how long it is. Mark Borbietsky was out for a long time because he had but but he had a history of this, so there's no way to know like how long Sidney Crosby missed an entire season a couple years ago because yeah. of the concussion. 
So there's a chance that he's out. It's for one it. of those things where you could be out an extended period of time or you could wake up tomorrow and you could feel better and like right. you're everything's back to normal. And it's so weird, too, with head injuries. Like it, w- the problem is, is even if you don't have symptoms, they comp- the, the compounding effect of the head injury over time is really dangerous and really scary. So I, I, I will yeah. give the NHL a lot of credit for how they handled this. But it also could mean that he's out for a longer period of time. And if that's the case, that dude, they're, they, they are like one tweaked ankle by UC Soros away from being one of the worst teams in the NHL. And and I just, again, we're, we're sort of like in this cul-de-sac at, at, here. At this point, that's probably not the worst thing in the world because the worse <laughs> you are, the higher draft pick you get, the, the better chance you have of getting that impact kind of player that David Poyle has alluded to, you need to, to win a cup, so... I mean, now, now to be clear, I will I will give David Poyle credit because he said, look, we're not a buyer. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God they're not a buyer at the deadline. Uh, I don't so know how that- you could be five points out of the playoffs with a team that's not good right now. Your best your leading scorer is out. Your I want to say Carrier is a great defenseman, but a, a solid defenseman is out like this team is just not good. I don't know how he could have could have possibly ever made an argument. They were a buyer. Yeah, exactly. And And so. Which which leads us to like, all right, we've got a couple more games to go before the deadline, and like there will be, there has to be a symbol or a gesture or something to the fans from the front office that they acknowledge what's happening and what's taking place. And trading Matias Ekholm, for example, would be at least like, or firing John, like something has to be. They have to send a signal to the fans that they are heard, and and that they are trying to fix the problem because whatever they've been doing for the last few years isn't working and trading Matias Ekholm to me would be a pretty big symbol to the fans that at least they're acknowledging where they are what's happening and that things need to change and no one wants to see Matias Ekholm leave the team he yeah. is no one wants that it's just but there needs to be some sign or some symbol from the organization that a move that has to be made that says, look, we hear you guys, man. We understand what's going on and we hear you and we're going to try some shit. And I think now I published a story on the post. I think it was yesterday or the day before about like the five likeliest trade candidate or trade pieces that the Preds have. And I did five Soros, four Granlin, three at home, two need rider, one Fabro. And I put a little bit of reasoning in there for each of them. But I think obviously Soros is the biggest trade piece. He's going to bring you back the most in a package. But I think Ekholm is, is a good start because you're looking at a lot of the teams that are in the playoffs. You're telling me that a lot, most of them would significantly become better by adding a defenseman the caliber of Matias Ekholm does. And he's going to bring you back a pretty good return. You're talking about at least one first-round pick and probably plus two high-end prospects, I would guess. You, you're going into the draft that you host next year with two first round picks and you also have two uh, two more additional prospects in your prospect pool like that looks pretty good that may not be what fans necessarily want but that's at least a good jumping off point that's a good starting point to get going I think you can and it also clears 6.25 million dollars in salary I think Niederreiter I think it's very likely Niederreiter gets traded within the next week because I don't see this team getting out of where they are I don't think they're going to start going on a run and winning games $4 million for a 20 goal, a proven 20 goal scorer. Like that's teams pay a premium for stuff like that. So I think those are probably the two most likely trade pieces they have right now. Well, and some, some quick math. If you go Soros, like, like here's the thing about the selling at the deadline thing. And it's not even tanking. It's certainly not a competitive rebuild, but if you trade Soros, you get a lot back. If you trade Ekholm, you get a, a pretty good so, something back. Neater Redder is not going to give you a ton back, but that is what 
roughly $14 million off the cap. You re, you you stock up on draft picks where the draft is coming to your town. You signal to the fans that you're trying something new. The coach eventually gets fired at the end of the season. The team is worse because Soros is not here, and therefore the, the odds of the top a better draft pick go up. You also have more capital. And oh, by the way, you have the best farm system of offensive weapons that you've maybe ever had in the history of your organization, like we talked about last year or last episode. And and then you add some pieces to that. And so all of a sudden you're talking about a top six, top eight farm system with a, with some extra drafts capital and a new coach and maybe even a new GM. You can, that is a sellable commodity in sports. That is the thing you are selling to your fans is hope. And I, I think you could get a pretty, I mean, there's no reason why you wouldn't be able to get a premium for UC Soros. You oh, have, for sure. you have his replacement ready to go in probably two years. You are absolutely going to have to suffer for probably two really bad seasons, but in the by the third year, all those guys in the farm system could be ready to go. Maybe not Zach Le, Zach Larue. We'll get to that. <laughs> you did some really good reporting, by the way, on that. Um, I do Zach think they. LaRue, man. I do think they. I do think the. Um, what is it like the Q H O W A K H L? Whatever. I think they did overreact a little bit with the punishment, but um, you know, once you see video of stuff, people are like, "Oh, well, ten times as bad" because we saw the video of it. Um, which I, don't I also think, think the fact he was suspended eight times previously played into it as well. Yeah, well, right. This is cl- and, eight and times again, in three years is a lot of suspensions. Again, the temper thing was in the draft profile. <laughs> like it was, it was in the draft profile. I so. mean, he was drafted, and everyone's like, he's the next Brad Marchand. Like that <laughs> tells you a lot of what you need to know about the kid. <laughs> Right. Well, if he's Brad Marchand on the ice, well, fine. <laughs> it's, it's a hell of a player. Um, so, I, I, again, I think with a really solid farm system, I don't think it's – you don't need to suck for 10 years like Colorado to get back yeah. to being good. I, I think they're closer. And I don't know – I'd love to know what David Poyle – if you gave him some truth serum and you had an opportunity to talk to him about this, like what what – like all right, you're not going to be in charge of this, but really, if you just do a couple things, aren't you pretty close to re- like the team isn't good? So you're you're. I already- think we're in the age of the NHL now, where two to three year rebuilds are kind of the norm. I don't want to say the norm; they're not out of the norm. I'll I'll say it that way. I think that's I, a good way to put it. Like the Red Wings are in an eight year rebuild because they just they're not doing things the right way. Dylan Larkin is the only good thing that, that team has done recently. But I, I think mean, the Buffalo is the same way. I well, Buffalo seems to be getting it right now. Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, like right. They, but it took, but it took them like ten years though. They just kept making yeah. bad. They kept well, they also bad. had a. They let Phil Housley go, and then the world just went to shit for him. Which they, I still yeah. think they should have kept Phil Housley in charge because I I was a big fan of his. But they finally have a competent head coach. They have they have a GM that is is seeming to make be making the right draft picks and stuff. So if you're a struggling franchise like that, it could take a long time. But I look at the Rangers. The Rangers underwent what a two or three year rebuild. I think yep. it was two years before they were back and they were playing yep. meaningful playoff games. I think I don't want to be too op, like overly optimistic here, but I think Nashville could, if the right people are making the decisions. That's the caveat. If the right people are making the right decisions, yeah. I think that they could do a two or three year rebuild and be right back in it, and they don't lose a ton of the fan base by undergoing you know so many so many years of being back. I mean, honestly, how many more fans can you lose? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I, I'm just, I'm not, and I'm not trying to be like disrespectful here or rude, but again, the last thing a fan does to pro, again, aside from throwing things on the ice, which we are not condoning, do not throw things on the ice. But 
the last thing you do is is not show up for games, and that is happening now. So you're already in. This would be one of the the two or three years, right? Like if you sell the pieces now, yeah. Like this is already a bad seat. Like they're. I don't think they're making the playoffs, man. Like you keep everybody in, intact. Could they go on a stretch run here and win a bunch of games, like in typical Predators fashion? Absolutely, that's possible. And then, of course, they 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 return hope. This is what they do. You've talked about this <laughs> too many times on the show. Like this is They'll what they do. You. This is what they do. They disappoint for a week or two, and then they give you hope for a week or two, and then they disappoint for a week or two, almost exclusively because of UC Soros. Like there, it wouldn't take. It doesn't feel like it would take that long. And now again, things that are out of the sort of like out of the norm as far as this conversation goes. Forsberg getting hurt and the draft being here next year, right? Like those are two things. Like that's not something that you plan to be part of a rebuild, but like it, the best offensive player is out, and the draft is going to be here next year. You've got a top ten farm system. You've got two or three trade chips. You can you can do it all now. You can you can clean the slate now, and it, it just, I mean, again, unless they what did I say? Like unless they go like eleven and zero, they need to sell the pieces at the deadline. And they've come back from the All Star break and lost every single ounce of momentum. It's all gone, and they're it's just I know we're in this again. We're in this cul de sac of like on again, off again, rebuild, not rebuild. Like so, somebody's got to stop it. <laughs> like. We're just we're just like in a circle of this conversation over and over again, and you know, okay, hey, Philip Tomasino, okay, great, good to see you. <laughs> like, what what else are we? What else can we say about this thing? I mean, again, unless I, I you, unless you can... want to talk about a unless you want to talk about one of their top farm prospects getting suspended, like, what else is there to talk about? I think we can stick a fork in this season because I, I'm not sure what the exact math is, but to to be where the Predators were last year around 97, 98 points, they would have to win, I think, 20 of their final 30 games in order to make that happen. They're not doing that. There's no way they're doing that. I, I Pierre Lebrun even said this week that things are getting bad enough to where if the Predators lose a few more games and they're like officially out of it, that he's hearing David Poyle is going to start taking calls and listening on every player that doesn't have a no-movement clause. But I mean, why wouldn't you? Isn't That's that where they it, need to be? It's malpractice if you're not. I mean, again, it's not doing your job, which he doesn't seem to be doing anyway. And look, I, if, you, if you trade Soros and let's just say you trade Soros and Ekholm, that's a pretty good jumpstart to a rebuild. You're going to get back at least three or four draft picks by trading those two guys. You're going to get back at least three or four prospects. Like, I think that's where you start. I mean, you have you have Askarov or Askarov, whatever you want to say. It. You you have <laughs> you have Soros's replacement probably ready to go next year. I, I, yeah, that, that might be a little early, but well. I mean, by the way, can... by the way, we have not touched on uh, him bench pressing the goal. <laughs> like you want to bring people back into the building, you, you get that kid ready to go as fast he as is, possible. He is wildly entertaining. I, he... I'm very, I'm very excited to watch him play because he he has a he has a personality. Yeah, give me, give me Yaroslav Askarov as soon as possible. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think next year is a year for him to be ready uh, unless okay, you so think. You, you, you let's say Kevin Lincoln into to a bridge contract or something. Right. Who also, by the way, could be a trade chip uh, in theory. Um, if you really I mean, want, if you really want to lose games down the stretch, trade them both. <laughs> both goalies are on the table. I think Granlin should be on the table because that the five million dollars a year he's not producing up to that contract. Yep. And I, I think he's kind of past his prime a little bit. Ekholm would, is going to bring you back something. Niederreiter is going to clear cap space, and he'll bring you back probably maybe not a second, but maybe a third round draft pick. You trade Fabro. I, I think you clear out. You're clearing out cap space. You're opening up roster spots for competition for your younger players, and I think you're setting things up 
for how you kind of want to you're, you're you're setting the direction for your rebuild yeah i i mean it the the time again i, I mean i like like we all, like we've said a million times um uh, go to jaspers which is also something we've said a million times um but i you want to hear my my crazy theory of, of how they should go about if if they do go into rebuild mode what they should do next year to kind of jump start that um i mean why not <laughs> i do want to hear I, th- didn't elliot freeman also say something about the team uh, about the arizona game basically the 4-2 loss that like this is just who they are yeah let me, let me pull up my story I, I believe that's what he said so i just yeah, he, while, he while, said, we're, while we're quoting national uh nhl respected illuminaries about the nashville predators yeah he he was on the jeff merrick show and he said i think that game against arizona was everything you need to know about nashville it wasn't just one game it's where they are overall in the standings Boyle basically said it. They're not a buyer. Now we're going to see what they're going to do. I think he's going to try to move a defenseman. I'm not convinced it's Matias Ekholm. I don't know if it's going to be Carrier. I think Fabro or something else. And then he kind of walked that back a little bit. And he was saying, like, I don't think you should move Ekholm, but I could I could see if that happens. I Who who knows? I, I think Ekholm is, is on the table because he we every year when the trade deadline pops up, Matias Ekholm is his continuously been someone who's always mentioned because he's a really good really good defenseman his salary is a little bit higher now but he's still really good and he's in his prime and he's going to bring you back usable assets yep uh and and again like if you're going into a rebuild situation then like you kind of want fabro around and you would have to choose like almost fabro or ekholm and the younger guy who is still developing, it should be more again, who's cheaper is the guy you keep. Like in that's just sort of like logic in, yeah. in a re, in a rebuild. While while Matias Ekholm was clearly the better player and a, a more of a fan favorite and more respected and all these other things, but like that's why he's more valuable and why you move him. So I, I what what you you were about to do you have a crazy plan for next year already? I mean, we got a lot of po- we got a lot of podcasts to do before next year, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm throwing this out there now, so if it does happen, I I can have early dibs to saying I was right. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Which I, we, got, I don't foresee, we got rece- we got receipts, baby. I don't foresee this happening. I know that this is this is just one of those fun armchair GM exercises. But if David Poyle wants to win back the fan base, I believe he's going to have to be aggressive this offseason. I think that starts with firing John Hines. Mm-hmm. I would I would l- give a really hard look to promoting Carl Taylor because I think he's he's on the cusp of being an NHL head coach. But if you're going to have a young developmental team where most of them are coming from Milwaukee, what better to have at your head coach position than someone who worked with a lot of those players and knows what they're good at? But I, I think, David, you've said that a lot. And I agree. If you're going to go into a rebuild, Carl Taylor's a pretty good two year. Let's try it out and see if it works kind of deal. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I think David Poyle is going to have to be aggressive and Nashville hosting the draft. He's going to, if you're going to have all these fans that don't like you, you got to do something to appease them while you're, while you're in the same building with them. So right now, according to Tankathon, the Preds have the number 13 pick in the draft, Tankathon. two teams ahead of them in the draft order, Florida and the Islanders. They're still technically fighting for a playoff spot. If, if Nashville starts selling, let's say they get rid of Ekholm, you trade Niederreiter, whoever, whatever you get, you get rid of a couple pieces. Naturally, the team is going to start playing worse because you're trading good players. That will help you in the in the draft standings. Assuming that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> that will help you in, in, the, in the draft order. And again, it's not guaranteed if you finish ninth, you're going to get the ninth pick because it is it is a, a lottery. But I understand, like, I long story short, I think if the Predators end up with a top 10 pick in the draft somehow, some way, as long as Columbus or Anaheim end up with a top pick, because let's face it, if Chicago gets a top pick, they're not trading it to Nashville. God. If, 
if if Columbus or Anaheim end up with a top pick, Nashville needs to go all in on trying to get Connor Bedard. You're talking about a true generational talent. Listen, follow me here. There's <laughs> follow me here. This is this is David Poyle being aggressive. You've been, drink, you've been drinking three, too many three dollar beers at Jasper, man. <laughs> He's a true generational talent. You're talking about a Connor McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby type player, which the franchise has never had. I say you offer them, you swap picks with them because that way they're still picking in the top ten. You offer them Askarov, Askarov, whatever however you want to. You, you offer them Yaroslav Askarov because neither Columbus nor uh, Anaheim have a highly touted goalie prospect. You offer them either Evangelista or Tomasino because both of those pipelines, they're loaded with defense, but they don't really have true top end forwards. Mm. And maybe you offer them the, your first round pick next year. You may need to offer a little bit more to sweeten the deal, but I think I think you go all in on Connor Bedard because if you can land him, he's the kind of player that can jump into the NHL next year. I don't think he'll be like Connor McDavid was right off the bat. Maybe he, I don't know, but I think he's someone. If you get if you can get a player like that, that helps speed up your rebuild as well. It's going to cost you a couple first round picks and Askarov and like Evangelista, but your forward depth is so good that losing losing Evangelista or Tomasino isn't going to hurt you that much. And you, if you have Saros, who's twenty seven, you have him locked up, and you feel like you could ride or die with him over the next ten years. You are your set and goal, so losing Askarov isn't going to hurt you that much. I think you you go on an all in move like that. Well, you could also do Soros as the trade chip as well. Like you, you can could do Soros too. But my uh, here's thinking, my here's my problem is if if, well, if my thinking Columbus or Anaheim, they're bad teams. They're still in kind of the rebuild mode too. If you give them a 27 year old goalie, that probably isn't as appealing as giving them a 21 year old goalie who they could build over the next 10 15 years with. I, listen, I like the plan. I don't know why they would do it. Like if like why Nashville? would any why would no why would no the other team why would anyone else trade away Connor Bedard like I don't know now maybe, maybe. the second maybe you get the second pick because uh, because again who's the second prospect that get that kid's supposed to be just as good right Adam so, or, Fantilli or, or almost as good um, well my my point is maybe you blow whoever has the first pick away with a trade offer maybe you, it's Evangelista and Tomasino and uh, Askarov and and three first round picks I don't know my point wow. is. Whoever has the first overall pick, you blow them away and you go and get Connor Bedard because you've never had a forward that good that could potentially be that good in the NHL. I mean, listen, I love the idea. I man. That 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 is how David Poyle can win this fan base back by being aggressive, swinging for the fences and bringing in someone. You're telling me as many people. You're right. As many people that are calling for David Poyle's job right now, if he goes out and he swings that trade and we're talking about Connor Bedard playing in Nashville next year, you're telling me that he doesn't at least win hat back half of the people that he's pissed off this year? Listen, if David Poyle acquires Connor Bedard in any way, shape, or form, he he, <laughs> he gets to keep his job. And again, I'm right. I'm, I'm being is, facetious is, is, is here. That, is that crazy to say? Like, is that? No, absolutely not. I, I, I say this tongue in cheek, like... It's not going to happen. David Poyle doesn't make moves like that. But I'm just saying, if he if he wants to get back in the good graces with the people that he's irritating right now, the people that are not spending money on this team, that is a good way to do it. And it also shows that you care because you're you're basically swinging for for the fences here, trying to go out and get someone. Yeah. Like Forsberg is great. Radulov was good. You you haven't had an offensive player like Connor Bedard is. Well, and and uh, in the same email, Brad talked about. Um teams that win cups basically have a number one or a number two pick. Now I checked, I don't think the, I want to see it. The, the blues did not have like a number one overall guy. I don't think the, like the, the Bruins with, um, uh, Marshan Bergeron and Pasternak. I think Pasternak was a first round pick, but like really late, like none of those guys were first round picks. Uh, but, but otherwise it's like, you know, 
Sidney Crosby, Steven Stamkos, um, like, you know, Patrick Kane, Nathan, Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon, Nathan McKinnon, like you, you, ha- you know, Jonathan Taves, like you, you have to have a top one, two or three quality player that is generally a forward. Um, again, I think Petrangelo was like the number four overall pick for the Blues when they win the cup. And he was like the only guy even close on their roster. And, and so you do kind of have to have one of those guys to win the, the whole the whole stinking thing. Um, and it just it just speaks to sort of the, the trajectory of the franchise. It's been downhill since that cup run, which was pretty magical and un, unforeseen and not they didn't have an elite team, you know, around. Uh, Pekka and, and a couple of nice forwards or some nice defensemen like we are they're still trending down like it's been down the entire time and it's down this year from last year and it's down the year before from that and it's just it's still down and the bottom eventually should get to you should get you one of those top one or two or three pick players and you've got the draft at home next year so it's just it, like it all lines up and again it's not their fault that Forsberg is injured right now but you have to you have to play the hand you've been dealt and it feels like they're it feels like David Poyle is just sitting at the poker table bluffing, trying to bluff every hand. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm out of analogies here, Michael. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Uh, go to Jasper. No, I, I, go to Jasper's and drink. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get, I get it. And look, it's. It's very easy to to sit here and and think that the sky is falling and oh it's, this is so bad and all this stuff but they have they have a winning record. <laughs> well, technically they don't. It, they're hold on. They're what? They're 25 25 20, 21 and 6, yeah. But those six overtime losses are still losses, so they're 25 and 27. I I hate the way the <laughs> NHL does that stupid shit. They're not a 500 team. They're 25 and 27. Overtime losses are still losses. And what's their and record 20, in regu- what's their record in regulation too? Right, like, do they have a losing record in regulation? I think probably. I, I don't know. That's too much math for this early in the morning. <laughs> and, and where where I was going, like, yes, I I understand. It's very easy to sit here, and unless changes are made to 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 be like, things aren't going to get better. But if you look at their their pipeline in two to three years, this could be if yeah. all those players kind of pan out, this could be a good team. I mean, you're talking about Joachim Kemmel, Askarov, Evangelista. Mm, LaRue will just kind of leave him out of this for a little bit, but <laughs> Afanasiev, Cody Glass, Fedor Svechkov, well, Th- Tomasino, uh, Ryan Ufko, Tomasino, Tanner Janot, and Parsonen are already a, p- a part of this, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you're, you're talking about Cody if, Glass. I mean, let's just say you, you hit on, on 70% of, of your, of your top 10 prospects. Seven out of those 10 are, are really good. That's a solid NHL team. That's going to be a young team. That's going to, it's going to, you're going to have a lot of cap space. You're going to have a lot of flexibility. I, I think just I don't want to say just ride out the storm, but I think in two years it's going to be a different conversation than what we're having now. I don't know if David Poyle is going to be the GM in two years. I hope John Hines isn't the head coach in two years, but I think in two years we're looking at a drastically different team. If if they do what they're telling the fans they're going to do, they're going to develop their players in Milwaukee and bring them up. I mean, we're seeing it with Parson and Glass now. They're they're both playing pretty well. If you could get that kind of production out of Tomasino and Evangelista. And and Askarov, like I, I think you have the makings of a solid young team. I wouldn't say they're going to be as good as Colorado was last year because Colorado had a really young team and they won the cup. But I, I think in in two years, like this could be a good team if if things kind of shake out the way they should. Yeah. Well, uh, they got Minnesota, Florida, Vancouver. All three of those games are winnable um, coming up, 
and you know like it, of course it's the it's the predators <laughs> are they though i mean <laughs> so, arizona was a winnable game and they they no, i know terrible. i know uh, and they'll play at San Jose, at Arizona, and then Pittsburgh. Uh, what, what, the deadline's what, March 3rd, the trade deadline, I believe? Yes. And they'll play Florida. So they've got, what, three, six? They got seven games to go, I believe. And look, um, they're, they're 10 points behind Edmonton, which has the first wild card spot. And then they're five points behind Minnesota and Calgary, which are tied for the second wild card spot. I, I don't see them getting a point every other game and kind of keeping that pace up. And even that kind of pace still still might not be good enough to catch Minnesota or Calgary. So th- th- I'm I'm officially putting a flag in this. They're done. The Predators are not a playoff right, team. Right. Start selling now. Well, I know you, got, I know you wanted to wait till the trade deadline, but I'm calling it now. I, I, I'm with you, man. I'm, no, I'm with you. They they lost every ounce, and even the win against Philadelphia was was overtime. And you lost Forsberg. So like again, since the since the All Star break. They've lost every second and every ounce and every bit of the momentum they had. Um, the after- fact that you're the fact that your head coach is asked in the in the post game last night about the direction of the team and how you fix kind of the things their issues and his responses. We'll talk about that tomorrow. That that, that is that is John Hines sidestepping that and being like, I don't know, and I don't want to be put on the spot, so I'm just going to ignore the question. Like, but but nobody ever asks uh, important questions in press conferences. For yeah, the, press, the the soft Nashville what, Predators media. <laughs> What's interesting is they have. Um, by the way, go check out a conversation with Joe Rexrode on Lamestream Sports last week on that podcast, where uh, <laughs> basically I said, "When what when is the, when is the Nashville media not asked an important question?" And he's like, "Show me the time <laughs> that it's happened." Um, exactly. They've got a lot of winnable. Here's the thing: Florida, Minnesota, Vancouver, San Jose, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Florida, up to the deadline. Those are not. Those are not, that's not a tough schedule. Like they they could in theory rattle off a bunch of big wins. The problem is. Is the the final month and a half of the season, like this team would have to be significantly better to beat. Like you've got Winnipeg, the Rangers, two with Seattle, Toronto, Boston, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Vegas, Carolina, Winnipeg, Calgary, Minnesota, Colorado. That is the that is like the final 12, 15 games of the season. Most like, of the remaining games are against playoff teams right now. You could lose all those games and get a pretty good draft pick. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you trade a, if good, you trade a bunch of good players. And if you do that, then you don't have to go with my doomsday scenario and start trading off players because then you could just draft Connor Bedard because you were just so bad. I, they, but you can't wait any longer. To your point, you got you to stick a fork in it, right? Like, <laughs> No, it's it's got to be now. If David Poyle has any hope of sticking around beyond next year, he's got to make changes. And I think it starts with John Hines. And, and like, look, John Hines isn't a terrible coach. He would he would be a he would be a good coach. He'd be a good fit for Anaheim, San Jose, Vancouver, like Montreal, Ottawa. Like he would be a good fit for teams that are really bad and they're they're just trying to they're just trying to get back to average right now. He he's not a fit for this team, which rightfully so or not has Stanley Cup aspirations. John Hines, it, I'm I hate to say it because he is a nice guy and like I, I think he has it a lot. He has had the deck stacked it's against not, him a lot. It's not personal, guy. It's not. Yeah, personal. It's, it's not personal. I just don't think he's a fit for this team. And and look, look how good Boston's doing right now with Jim Montgomery, someone who I said last season, offseason, they needed the Predators should have went out and pursued because I think he is a fantastic coach. And we're seeing what he's doing with Boston. And granted, the Bruins have a much more talented roster than the Predators do. But I think coaching plays a lot into getting maximizing that roster. And I think if Jim Montgomery was the head coach of the Predators right now, they would probably be in a good position to make the playoffs. Again, the top two teams in the division changed coaches and are significantly better this year after doing so. 
Um, generally, that happens in the NHL. Now, it doesn't mean it's sustainable. It doesn't mean it's long term always. But uh, I just and again, it's not personal with John Hines, but I don't know what else we need to see. I just I just okay. don't. I don't I don't like they're They're one of the three worst teams on offense. They have one of the worst power plays in franchise history. Um, they're they're getting blown out against good teams. They're losing to bad teams. And that's the thing too. Like when Barry Trotz was hired, he was known as as a defensive minded head coach. When Peter Laviolette was hired, he was known as an offensive minded head coach. When John Hines was hired, he doesn't have any of those. He was just like, oh, he's great developmentally. He can work with the young players. Like John Hines has never really had strong offenses or defenses. And like you got to pick a lane, dude. You got to be good at one thing. You can't just be mediocre at everything. It's just UC Soros. That's all. Yeah. It's just hey, I've got if they if I'm I'm here's what's fascinating because he did he's gonna do that for his next job interview. They're gonna be like, so why should we hire you? Be like, did you see what I did with UC Saros last year? Like that's gonna be his selling point. Because here's the thing: like if you start to look at the body of work, that like it starts to show that that really amazing stretch following what is it about March on of uh the 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 weird year that started in January, the post COVID year, right? Twenty twenty. There was there or 2021, right? It started January. It started back up again in January of 2021. Was that season? It was all the the the, the compacted year where they were really really bad, and then all of a sudden they flipped a switch and they they that that chunk that they were very yeah. very good is the anomaly. If you include the Devils' tenure and you include all of the games that he's coached here, that that stretch is the anomaly. Like there and is that like, that was UC Saros too because during the final yeah. twenty eight games he was like twenty seven and one like your goalie went out and stole you twenty games if you take if you say you just had average goaltending then you maybe win ten games during that stretch so yeah. it's a lot of John Hines' success has been because he he has a Vezina caliber all world goaltender don't throw things on the ice go to Jasper's and drink those are the two messages that we have for you today how about this if the Nashville Predators decide to make a move, trade some pieces, or get rid of the coach. Will you go to Jasper's with me? Will you Are you finally... talking to me specifically? Yeah, like you. Like, will you finally go to Jasper's with me? Sure. Why I'll not? Take, I'll take you out. Okay. And why not to not? sell and not to celebrate a guy getting fired. That's not the point. I'm just trying to get you to the freaking <laughs> bar. If John Hines, if John Hines gets fired, let's go. Shots no, on me. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that isn't the you that's you what guys, i heard i i hope everybody knows that's not the point the point is <laughs> to get you to the restaurant that sponsors the show it is it is brought to you by jasper's a wonderful establishment that one of the hosts on the show has been to one time <laughs> go to yeah listen, I, I have nothing I, to say I was, I, i'm sorry jasper's i have failed you i i will do better <laughs> I at least went once, okay? Like I, I gotta get a little bit of credit for that. I know no, I've been no. riding that horse for a while now. I I will I will make a valiant effort over the next month to go to Jasper's at least one more time. John Hines has more playoff wins than times you've been to Jasper's. <laughs> well, luckily I could go to Jasper's one more time and we'll be tied. So Yeah, there you go. Going off the rails now. Oh man! Well, I you know, listen, it's a great. It, I I was I was just doing work over there on Friday. Like I I just pop in there on lunchtime just to do work because it's a great. Jasper's place. should start it's taking our great. ads, cutting the audio, and just playing them over the the, the PA system at, at the restaurants. So people can during, listen to us during games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, look, I don't throw things on the ice. Go to Jasper's. Um, I, I don't know what else there's to say about this team, man. I, I am I, I am truly at a loss. 
I, I think here, here's nothing else. We have said everything you could possibly say about the Predators. Here's the thing, though, man. And this is what I'll leave people on because I'm actually hopeful of this. And I think you've heard some some rumblings behind the scenes. I've heard some rumblings behind the scenes. When people stop going to games, actions are taken. It, it doesn't matter what sport you're in. It doesn't matter what level you're in. It could be college. It could be pro. But when fans stop going to games, things have to change. And generally, they do. And so if you folks out there listening stop going to games, they will have to make changes. And that is ultimately what will eventually like push this whole thing forward into the future in some way, shape, or form. So um, that was the case on Thursday night against Boston in a 5 nothing blowout when a guy threw a catfish on the ice during play. We have reached the end here, Michael. <laughs> we put a fork in it. You put a flag in it. I'm going to Jasper's. Come to Jasper's and drink some beers and have some burgers and play in the game room. Play some air hockey. Maybe some offense while you're at it. Uh, and watch the Preds. I, I don't, I guess. <laughs> or don't. Doesn't matter. That's where we're at now. What are we doing? Uh, Michael, where can people find you, man? You can follow me on Twitter at MGSports underscore, and you can read my Predators coverage at the Nashville Post. And make sure you check out the It's All Your Fault podcast. I can't wait to hear what Jeremy K, how Jeremy K. Gover spins all this next week. <laughs> yeah, he, he tends to give Hines and Poyle a little bit more credit than I do. So, Well, he's a smart hockey guy. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. It'll it'll be an entertaining discussion because I know I know we've been texting a little bit. He's got some thoughts on what's going on. So yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, share the product, share the show. Go to Jasper's, of course. Read Michael's stuff at the Post and the Scene. Uh, support good journalism. Support local business. Uh, we do appreciate all that. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. We'll talk to you guys next week. Mercifully, this has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.